Welcome to Of Sound Mind and Spirit. I'm Shelley. And I'm Lisa. We're sisters walking together on a journey of faith. We're not perfect. And we definitely don't have all the answers. We're inviting you to walk with us as we explore ways we can better know and grow in our faith together. together. Welcome back to another episode from Of Sound Mind and Spirit. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Shelly. I know a couple episodes ago, we really kind of pulled back the curtain and showed everybody what goes on behind the scenes. And we've had really quite a bit of response to that. We did. And it was, I would say, uh, I felt very vulnerable. I felt like it was difficult for us to kind of air that conversation. Um, So we've been pleasantly, I don't know, surprised and feel very comforted. So many people have responded and talked about their own sister relationships or sibling relationships. And um, I just thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. And maybe we'll come up with another sister uh, sharing (laughs) in another episode to be authentic and real about. uh, But I still stand by no arguing when we're recording. So No, no. And people don't know that is episode 37, Behind the Scenes with My Sister. So go check it out if if you didn't hear it and want to know what we're talking about. All right, Shelly, what are we doing today? Today is going to be more of another book episode because we do have a special guest. We're going to talk a little bit about how what we read, even fiction, kind of shapes us and how we perceive the world around us. And today we're going to welcome a very special guest, Amanda Lauer. An avid reader and history buff since childhood, Amanda Lauer is the author of the award-winning Heaven Intended Civil War series and the time travel novels Anything But Groovy and Royal and Ancient. Amanda and her husband, John, have been married for 43 years, have four married children and eight precious grandchildren. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your show. It's really a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Well, we met you, Amanda, I think it was, what, 2022 in Chicago at a conference, Mm -hmm. and um, we were then introduced to you, of course, and to your books. Yes, I remember that it was in 2022 as well, and yeah, it was such a pleasure meeting both of you. The conferences that the Catholic Writers Guild hosts are just amazing. You meet some of the most interesting, nicest people on the planet. And we're all there to help each other out in our mission, whether it's writing, behind the scenes, copy editing. So you never know who you're going to meet there. And you never know what lifelong friends you're going to meet there. But I think I've met a couple, and you too. <laughs> I remember when you uh, y'all had driven in from your home, and you came into the hotel and sat down with us at dinner. There was a long table with a bunch of us. And you and I just struck it up right away. And it just rolled and rolled from there. And uh I, I think I left that conference with all of your books that were published at the time that, that you were selling. I, how could I say no? And read the first one right away. And, and I was I was telling you before we started, I gave it to one of my daughters, my young adult daughters. I haven't seen it since. So, <laughs> Hopefully that's a good sign. Yes, that's what I think too. So how many total books now? I have nine books that are published, seven standalone as an author, Mm -hmm. and two are with Catholic teen books. So they're compilations of eight or 10 stories. Okay. But from those Catholic teen books, I have written the stories that are either the prequel to that story there or the sequel. So 
by the end of 2024, I should have 12 books completed. And right now the, the other three are in various stages. It's funny that, you know, that, that I'm actually an author. I, if you would ask me, you know, when I got out of high school or whatever, what I was going to do, but I would have never said I was going to be an author. As a matter of fact, when I wrote the first book, I said, that's it. My life is complete. It's one and done. That lasted a whole, a whole week before people were asking for a sequel. Well, tell us more about the types of books that you write. I write Civil War books. So it's the Heaven Intended series. And all the books are related to each other, but they can be read as standalones. And then I have two time travels, Anything But Groovy, which is the one that you had given to your daughter, I believe. And then Royal and Ancient, which just came out in October. The books I'm working on right now actually is the sixth book in my Civil War series. The book that's completely done actually is called Lucky and Blessed. It's set during the time of King Henry VIII. So a lot of research for a 250 page book. I have like 150 pages of notes so far. That's how you make that story so real then is you've put so much Um, research into it. You have to, because if you're not authentic, people will figure it out pretty quickly. Mm. And you're talking about the lives of real people. All my books intersect, all my characters, my protagonists, they all, their lives intersect with people who are figures in history, real people. So I really want to be true to those historical figures, to their stories, Mm -hmm. but how they interact with people who come into their lives, the people I've kind of made up in my stories. The Anything But Groovy story, to go back to this with another time travel, the interesting thing about that book is originally it was written just as a coming of age. It's a story of my seventh grade life growing up in a small town in northern Wisconsin, going to a, a small Catholic school. And the things that I had to endure in seventh grade, bullying basically was a big thing. It's not quite like it is in this digital age and social media age, but it, it hurt just as badly. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, all those images from those years were were like seared into my brain because I was so traumatized by this. And I had always thought about writing the, the story just for my own memory, if nothing else. But I was talking to another writer from the Catholic Writers Guild. And she said, you know, if you really want this book to appeal to people other than baby boomers like you, you should probably do kind of a cross between Back to the Future and Freaky Friday and make it where... <laughs> A girl, a teenage girl, a 13-year-old girl in this day and age gets hit in the head and she wakes up and she's in her mom's 13-year-old body Mm -hmm. in 1974 or so and has to live her mom's seventh grade year and and undergo everything her mom went through. And in the meantime, trying not to mess up her mom's life too badly, trying to figure out who her mom's friends were, who her mom's enemies were, and why the biggest jock in the school hates her mom, which she never did quite figure out her mom. Her mom, me, never did figure out either. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed reading that one. And not just for the nostalgia of, of, you know, what life, what you would now say a simpler time, Mm -hmm. but to also the way you compare it, bullying back then, bullying now, like humans are humans. And there's a lot of, you know, people think, oh, maybe mom or whomever didn't get, you know, nothing is, you know, teenagers, nothing is as bad as what I'm going through now. And it's it's just a way to show that you know we've all come through something mm-hmm. and and a way to relate it to the to the kids now and so i really enjoyed that it was a fun it's a fun story but there's also a huge lesson and message in there too yeah for sure i mean well what 
doesn't kill you, you know, makes you stronger. <laughs> That's probably one, right? But kind of the bigger story is there's people in your life that you don't really appreciate for what they are. And my old best friend who wasn't cool enough to be my seventh grade best friend, um, she's ultimately the one who came to my rescue from the bully in the end. And she, it was in a way she had, she did not intend it to happen that way. She did not want to be in that situation. But when she was put in that situation, she did the right thing and it completely turned the situation around. And in real life, that lovely lady uh, is still my best friend, my best childhood friend. She was the maid of honor in our wedding 43 years ago. Um, she's my son's godmother. So I really appreciated her and what she did in my life. And I'll mm -hmm. never forget it. You know, we had to stick together. We mm -hmm. weren't in the popular crowd by any means. I was the epitome of the nerdy, the glasses, <laughs> the braces, and add that, add on to that, like the Carol Brady haircut. Why my mom ever talked me into that, I have no idea. <laughs> Amanda, did you keep a journal when you were in middle school to refer back to, or did you just remember all of these details or invent a few? Yeah. The funny thing is, I had a diary like every girl in the 70s did right we all I, first i had like the one-year diary and then the five-year diary and all that i have literally not went back and read those books ever it was funny because oh. my editor was actually saying to me my oh my gosh all these details I, I really feel like you just took every single thing out of your diary are you sure you want i'm like i haven't even opened that that little the little lock in the box yes, <laughs> i haven't even I opened that thing i'm uh -huh. like 45 years. It's just all in my head. And a funny thing is a lot of people have gotten back to me, especially where I grew up, they all recognize the city from my description. And But they'll be like, oh my gosh, I hadn't even thought of that parade or that Girl Scout camp out or whatever in eons until you brought up literally the last signing I was at up, up there. A gal came up to me and she was like in my brother's class. And she said, your description of going to midnight mass on Christmas Eve with the snow falling down and just the quiet and walking into the church. And when you felt, you could literally feel the organ in your chest when they were playing the Christmas carols. She said, mm -hmm. that was just, it just brought it all back to me. That's exactly how my experience was on Christmas Eve at, at that church. She literally had tears in her eyes when she's telling me the story. And because it just brought back all those wonderful memories of childhood before life mm -hmm. got so complicated. I love that you as a writer get the feedback that you were able mm. to, you're trying to capture a moment and a feeling, and then you hear from readers that they felt it. They they I recognize know. the moment, they feel the moment. That is, that's gotta be great to, to get that kind of feedback from readers. Yeah. And you know, another thing too is I actually get letters from readers, mostly teens, mm -hmm. but I have a stack behind my desk that if I'm having one of those days, I'll pull one of those out and like, Oh wait, this was a good life choice. I should be a writer because some days you have questions about that. Yeah, not always easy. But then um, also, I do a lot of presentations. I do a lot of book signings, and I remember I do one every year at the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference mm -hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. It's a really big conference. At least three thousand women. That's on my list someday to attend the Columbus Catholic Women's uh, Conference. I've heard such amazing oh things gosh, about it. I've never so been good. to Ohio, but I am coming just for that. Okay, one you should. <laughs> but a couple times I've had experiences where I'll just be manning the booth, and people have no idea who I am. Not I don't really wear a name tag per se or anything, and I'll hear them talking about my books, and they'll be right in Aww. front of me, and be like. 
oh my gosh, that is the best book I've read. That is my favorite book. And you have to say, oh, by the way, I wrote it, you know. Aww. And then you to the next thing is like, can we have a selfie together? <laughs> or like, oh my gosh, I have to go get my daughters right now because they are going to be stunned that you're actually here in Ohio at Aww. this conference. And it's just been a really neat experience. I love that stuff. And I said, it does help on the days. Some days it's such, uh, it's drudgery yeah. some days writing because it's, it, it's a lot of work and a lot of research for my books. Mm -hmm. Your first book was the Civil War series? Yes. A World Such as Heaven Intended. And how did you get inspired to write that? Well, actually it was challenged. I, I've been a journalist for more than 20 years and I was shooting pictures at a business that I was writing about one day. And the guy was mentioning that his wife was a writer, she wrote a book. She had an agent in New York city. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write a book. I want to meet this, this lady. And so we ended up getting together for coffee like a month after Christmas. It was a Thanksgiving time when I met her or talked to her first. And she had told me on the phone, she said, if you really want to, want to write a book, write one chapter of a book. I'll write one chapter of a book and we'll meet for coffee and just swap and kind of copy edit and give each other some feedback. Well, that was the first of 24 months of getting together once a month for coffee. And traditionally I would get there, be sliding into the coffee shop at like one minute before one o'clock mm -hmm. with hot, fresh printed pages because I had just written it 15 minutes before I finished, before I left for the coffee shop. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Nothing like but, the, the accountability or, or, you know, a deadline to, to really yeah. make you focus. Oh my gosh, <laughs> for sure. Because I can honestly say without her encouragement and kind of, you know, keeping my nose to the grindstone, I, I would have never written any books because it, it does take a lot of discipline and, and mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily all the most highly disciplined person on the planet. And so when I was being held accountable, I did it because I'm not, I'm also not one to ever miss assignments or miss deadlines. Mm, okay. Deadlines are there for a reason. Yeah. And for people like me who need <laughs> to have a deadline. That's why don't ever give me an open-ended deadline on anything. I'm like, you will never see it. It will never see the other day. I love that you know yourself well enough to, to, to know what works best for you. Mm -hmm. So what, what made you focus on young adult fiction? Well, because I was first introduced to my favorite genre of reading, which is historical fiction, mm -hmm. historical love stories by my mom when I was in like eighth grade or ninth grade, maybe. And they were the traditional bodice rippers, oh. you know, like <laughs> Rosemary Rogers. Yes. Uh, yeah. By my mom. She was by your just, mom. How interesting. Yes. <laughs> she, she had, oh my gosh, she, I, she probably had hundreds of, mm -hmm. of these books and they weren't like the harlequin romances like those things these were like the three four hundred page books i mean the minute i read the first one i was just hooked mm -hmm. by the genre was not a fan of the descriptions mm -hmm. of everything that goes beyond goes on behind closed doors there's a reason and they I, call them bodice rippers oh yes <laughs> and i said to myself someday if I ever write a book, it's going to be historical, going to be fiction, it's going to be a love story, but it's going to be a clean love story. Closed doors. And I said, I want to write a book, if I do, that I would be proud to have my children and my grandchildren read someday. And kind of the neat thing is that that has actually happened. Our oldest grandson just turned 11 last week, 
And over the summer, he read anything but groovy and he really loved it. And it was just so heartening to hear his praise. And that's actually why I'm writing a sixth book in my Civil War series, because he is the oldest. And he, for like the last few years, he said to me, Grandma, I want you to write a book where I'm the hero. And we sketched out. I, I gave him lots of different ideas. It could be any era. It could be anything. And I gave him all the ideas. And he said, I want to be a hero in one of your heaven-intended Civil War books. Um, some writers came up with the, with the idea for the title, A Hero Such as Heaven Intended. Oh, and it so follows beautiful. perfectly. Yeah. So with the, like my, the whole series has that same log line, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. A World Such as Heaven Intended, which is the first book in the series, that's actually a line from a Civil War song. And then I just continue with that. Then it's A Life Such as Heaven Intended, A Love Such as Heaven Intended, A Freedom Such as Heaven Intended. And my latest book, which came out in November, is A Faith Such as Heaven Intended. And then we'll, I believe we will be finishing this series with A Hero Such as Heaven Intended. Now, will this be the first time you've written with a male protagonist? Basically, how it goes is every other chapter is in the female protagonist's head and then the oh, male okay. protagonist's head. And this works out so well, especially with the Civil War books, because the male and the female are on the opposite side of the war. Mm -hmm. The one thing they have in common is their faith, their Catholic faith. And that's how they survived the last year of the war. So each of these books starts on the same day in May of 1864 and follows our characters through the last year of the war until it ends basically April 1865, but it goes into May to kind of see where they settle, how things turn out. And all the stories have different protagonists, but they have a connection to each other. So are, are all of your books audiobooks also? Um, the first four of my Heaven Intended series books are audios. Anything but Groovy is audio. Well, we hear from a lot of friends who love books, but a lot of people aren't physically reading. They're listening to audiobooks. So True. It, is a, it is another way to get your material in front of people in, mm -hmm. in audio true. form. I've yep. noticed that with our book groups that we have a few members who really want us to pick books that are also in audio so that some people read them and some people listen to them. So. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I've been listening a little bit to Royal and Ancient. I have it on the Kindle and Kindle Fire has an option where you can have it read aloud, but it oh. has no inflection. It has no, oh. it's like a computer. Oh. Amanda, I have a question. What do you hope your readers take away from your novels? Well, in all my novels, you know, a lot of times people say, how come everybody's like so Catholic in your novel? I'm like, well, because that's what I am, born and, <laughs> born and raised. And that's what I know. I don't know that I could write a proper novel about a Baptist family or something. I just don't know that. I know what I know. And so what I hope they take away is that these people, for some of them, it's just kind of what they've always done, what they grew up with, what they know too. But the one thing all my characters are striving to do, and this is kind of a Matthew Kelly thing, is to be a better version of themselves every day. I hope that people will read these books, and even if they're not Catholic, and see the beauty of the Catholic Church, see how deep its roots are, and how meaningful everything that goes on at the Mass and the consecration, all those things have so much meaning to them. There's so much behind. None of these things were just kind of picked willy-nilly. Everything is done for a reason in the Catholic Church, and I find especially Mass is just so beautiful in all the different aspects, all the sacraments and such that we have. So what I'm really hoping is that people will read this 
and either have a deeper appreciation for their faith, for the Catholic faith, or if they're not Catholic, to appreciate the Catholic faith in some respect, because some people are kind of anti-Catholic, I've found through the years. And I want people, especially young people, to read this and see every day you can do something to be a better person, to make the world a better place, to create deeper relationships, to get closer to God. And I hope they take that and that's something that's just ingrained in them after they've read any of my books. And hopefully they'll keep reading more of my books and be more encouraged and keep going on. <laughs> Amanda, that's beautiful. Because one of the things I wanted to tell you was that as I read your books, what I love about them is that they're good fiction mm -hmm. and they're clean fiction, which is hard to come by sometimes, mm -hmm. but yeah. they're good fiction. And the story you tell isn't about being Catholic or about Catholicism as a whole. So it doesn't come across as a, this is a book about church, but your characters live their faith in their everyday life. Right. And you don't hide that. Right. And you show how it impacts and influences the choices they make in mm -hmm. doing good or struggling with when things are hard and they have to do the hard thing because it's right versus the easy thing. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate that. These are books I can give my kids and feel confident that they're entertained and they might be learning a little bit of history or maybe inspired to learn more about history and know that it's going to show them or reflect to them what I hope they see in their own faith. Yeah, for sure. And that's really the goal even though I, I'm not outright evangelizing per se, but mm -hmm. I think just the gentle touch and getting people hungry for more knowledge about the faith. If I do that, then I've met my goal with the books. Because our young adults, whatever they read, you know, what you put in is how you learn to process the world around you. And that's why I think it's good that there is this kind of fiction available good, clean, mm -hmm. young adult fiction that, that, like you said, even if they're not Catholic, it just exposes them to something maybe they were curious about and didn't know or never thought about. And mm -hmm. I'm not, like you said, not looking for them to be evangelized to convert to the faith, but we're afraid of what we don't know. And so maybe it will go a step towards helping people understand who we are as Catholics and not be afraid of it. Right. And I know in my mom's groups and stuff, mostly teens, and young adults, people are always asking for book recommendations, for fiction book recommendations that they basically don't have to worry about the content that they're handing their teenager or young adult yeah. or recommending. And so your books are always the first ones that I recommend because we can trust that people aren't going to find something, you know, yeah. they don't want their young adult to read in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're, they're all vetted. So they, yeah, I don't say anything that I shouldn't be as far as towards the Catholic church or, you know, I'm very, very conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have priests as consultants that help me too. So that helps oh, make sure I am especially historically accurate with the church because things have changed and evolved through the years. What kind of books did you read growing up? Well, my favorite, I had three things that would be my favorites. A Wrinkle in Time, which is time travel. <laughs> the entire Little House on the Prairie series. And then also I, I owned probably 50 Nancy Drew books. I love Nancy Drew. So the typical for my era and my age, but definitely has influenced me as a, as a writer. So uh, yeah, and The Wrinkle in Time I don't know. Why. I've always been fascinated with time travel. <laughs> kind of crazy. 
I love that it's, uh, that love of the time travel then made its way into your current oh, yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's so it's so fun. I just it is I fun. love reading about it and I love writing about it. Yeah. I love how you said it was a combination between what was it Freaky Friday and Back to the Future, which, you know, Shelly and I both, you know, grew up watching mm-hmm. both of those, the originals, not the yes. one, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. remake Freaky Friday, but the original. And so that's I, I definitely got that vibe from your book. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Amanda, is there a preferred place that you would like us to recommend that any of our listeners check out your books from? Yes, I would prefer if they go to my website, amandalauer.com, because not only are my books listed there and you can hit a link and order directly from there, but also you'll have access to all my blogs and to you can sign up for my newsletter if you're interested. And I'm just very open about what life is like for me as a Catholic as an author, parent, all those good things. And so I write, I write blogs, try to get at least one out a week, but everyone is different. Just whatever happens to be top of mind that particular week, but I'm getting really good feedback on on the articles I'm writing. And I think because I'm the word people use to describe me a lot is genuine, especially when they meet me in person, like, Oh my gosh, you're just like I thought you were going to be. And, and, and I try to be like as truthful and joyful as I can be. For one thing, I'm the world's worst liar. So don't ever ask me to lie. I can't play poker. I am not no poker face here. But I, I strive every day, not only to be a better version of myself, but I strive to be a joyful Catholic. I want people to see the joy in my life and go, I want what she's got. And I'm more than happy to tell you about it because I do think there's a lot of joy in our faith and I want to continue to to spread that joy throughout the world and to every person I encounter every single day. I try to do at least one little joy moment for somebody, whether it's sending them a quick text, writing them an actual letter, giving them a call of encouragement, going to visit an elderly person who doesn't get that many visitors, going to see my mom who is elderly. And, you know, I try to see her every day actually too. Kind of how I run my life. And this year in particular, I really want to focus, uh, particularly with people who are lonely, to, you know, invite someone out for coffee or go hang out at their house for a little bit or just something just to build that into my my weekly routine. It's a lovely thought. That's very inspiring to see how you're living your faith through your books, but also how you are implementing it in your everyday life. And just yeah. and people yeah. are attracted to that authentic joy. I love that. Thank you. And you know, to to be honest, I feel like I'm a better person for having written those books mm-hmm. because it reminds me to keep striving to be a better person every day. And when my protagonists are working on that as well, I just feel like each book I'm getting closer to that goal. And obviously the goal for all of us, right, is to be in heaven someday. Mm -hmm. I remember interviewing a lady for an article years ago for our diocesan newspaper. And I asked what her goal was for her children. She has four children. And I thought she'd be like, oh, you know, you want to get into a good school, get a degree, find a nice job, find a nice spouse, have Mm -hmm. kids someday. And she just said, I want all my children in heaven with me someday. That thought never left me since the moment she said that to me. And it's like, that's literally my number one goal is to get me in heaven and to be there someday with my husband and our children and our children's spouses and our grandchildren and my parents and the people who've gone before me and the people who go after me that's really what it's all about. You know, life is just this moment in time, this speck in time. 
eternity, it's forever. And I want to spend eternity in heaven with my loved ones. I would be so grieved if anyone wasn't there at the end. So I'm doing everything I can in my power to encourage them in their path to get there with me and for them to encourage me too. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Amanda, you know, because Lisa and I are sisters and we podcast and work together, we always ask our guests to tell us a sister story. I believe before we started, you said you don't have a sister, but you do have a sister-like story. Yes. So I have my, my school best friend, Julie, and I have my, as an adult best friend, Tina. Well, Tina and I happen to look a lot alike. People tell us that all the time. And we, we always say we're sisters from different misters, which cracks us up every single time we say it. So this is a few years ago. She brought her mom to a local car dealership to get help her mom purchase a brand new car. And the next week, by complete chance, I went to the same dealership with my mom to look for a car. And the guy walks out, shakes my hand, I introduce myself. And he's like, what are you here for? I said, my mom wants to get a brand new car. He's like, wait, didn't she just get a brand new car last week? How many cars does she need? I said, no. He's like, "Uh, yes, she did. She was here with your sister last week. I'm like, are you talking about Tina? He's like, yeah. I said, that's not my sister. We're like neighbors and we're best friends, but we're not actually related to each other. It's like, oh, sorry about that. So yeah. That's good. <laughs> See, you don't need a biological sister if you have a best friend who can be like your sister. <laughs> Absolutely. She is definitely like a sister. Oh my gosh. It's funny because we used, they moved from our neighborhood, but for years they li- we lived four doors from each other. And we used to go for like a three-mile walk every morning Ooh. and just... We said we solved all the problems of the world every morning in that three three mile walk. But <laughs> there's so many wonderful people in my life who are so supportive of this career. Like I just couldn't do it without their support. They're just there's literally people who will send me notes. They said I don't care what you write. The minute you're done, you sign a book and you get it to me. I don't care Aww. what the topic is. I don't care what the error is. If you write it, I want to read it. And I, I mean, I just got a note like that last week in the mail and said, oh. These people are just so darn nice. And, you know, it's just, it's so encouraging. I love it. That's amazing. I love that you do something and you're not doing it for the accolades, but in a way, those, those words of affirmation come and find you anyway to encourage you to continue writing and working. Yeah. And I should mention, I always say this and I try to be so sincere that I'm, everything I'm doing is for the glory of God. And even right now, three of my books which I can hardly believe are with different movie production studios in various stages. Wow. Uh, we did sign a contract with one of the studios and I forget there's all different names of contracts. So one, it's actually a Catholic streaming service movie studio. It's amazing. It's the book, anything but groovy, which would be a, what they would call a small budget film, which a small budget for them is a million, two million, you know, like pocket change, right? But right now we're just praying that if the right person will step forward to to fund this because that's literally we're we're so close to this happening. And it's funny because uh, I like I said, several of my books are with studios right now. And every time we get almost to the point where the book is greenlit, something happens. And then I'm like, well, you know what, God, I guess you're telling me that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And so I'm trying every day to look for, to, to be still and listen to the voice of God and say, like, am I going the right direction? Is this what you want to have happen? Because if this movie happens, I don't want it to be, oh, all about me, me getting all the accolades. 
I want this to benefit everybody from the crew to the writer, to the actors, to, and particularly the audience, because I think there is such a thirst for wholesome entertainment in this country. There's just so little of it. Mm -hmm. And that's really ultimately what these movies I would envision would be. So praying that the right person will hear one of my interviews someday or run across one of my books and go, this is somebody that I want to stand behind and can financially do it. But if it doesn't happen, I, I've had such a wonderful life. I mean, I'm so blessed between my husband, my kids, my family, my extended family. Really, I mean, I couldn't be any more blessed if I asked. Oh, I love that. All right, Amanda, we also ask all of our guests to who their kind of go-to saint is at the moment. Uh, yeah. Well, this has been my go-to saint forever, the Blessed Mother. My confirmation name is Mary, so I, I've known for a long time. And when I first started writing, people were like, oh, you have to get an agent. I'm like, well, I have no idea how that's going to happen, and I never pursued it because I if you don't have that person to get your foot in the door, it's very difficult to find an agent. And so someone from the Catholic Writer Guild suggested, why don't you have the Blessed Mother be your agent? She's great. I'm like, that I can do. <laughs> and so, yes, I have this lovely little statue here of the Blessed Mother that I actually won at late night catechism. I was the only person who could answer the question, what is the Immaculate Conception? Hey, eight years of Catholic school, <laughs> you got go. it. And I not only got this this beautiful color version because I knew, you know, Saint, uh, the Blessed Mother was conceived without the stain of original sin. I got the stain of original sin, right? Um, so instead of just getting kind of the not great one with that glowed in the dark, mm -hmm. I got the full color. <laughs> so yeah, she is here by my side every day when I write. And I do the rosary every day and I pray for guidance and I pray for her intercession in my life. And I've never been let down. Things don't always turn out the way I want, but I think they turn out the way God wants and mm. the way they should. Mm -hmm. So it's worked out well for me. Oh, that's great. Amanda, we want to thank you so much for being with us today and, and just talking to us about your process of how you've been inspired to write these books and what it's, what your journey's been like. It, it's been a real pleasure to listen to you. So thank thank you. you so much. I'm just like so grateful that you guys both invited me to be on the show and to connect with you again, because yes. it'll be May before we actually see each other in person. And hopefully you'll be at the hopefully. next Catholic Writers Guild conference. Crossing, crossing our fingers. We will be in Chicago. Yes. <laughs> And I just, I loved getting to know you better and your faith and your joy really comes through not only in speaking with you, but through your writing too. And I think that's what attracts so many people to your novels. So we encourage all of our dear listeners to either get them for themselves or for a young adult in their life and just, or your libraries. Oh, that's a good oh, point for your great. libraries. Yes. Please. That helps a ton actually. I was just thinking that I think as a small gift to you, I'm going to pick up some of your books, maybe all of them, maybe not all of them, but I'm going to get some of your books and donate them to my son's school library. Aww, that was, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. And I'm always open to doing Zoom interactions with teens. I, I work with a lot of uh, kids who are homeschooled, the teens that are homeschooled. And I do actually do in-person speaking to middle schools and high schools. And I'm always open for traveling. So yeah, <laughs> invite me anytime. I very seldom say no. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, 
All right. Thank you everyone for listening today. We hope that you will go over to Amanda's website and check out her books and subscribe for her newsletter. And then uh, go and and share this episode and share the books with all of the uh, young adults and people who love good historical fiction with a solid Catholic message voice in it. We can't wait to see you next Thursday for our next episode of the podcast. All right. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.